Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Here's Durant moving on Tucker. He turns, he shoots. Yes! Talking Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association, this is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Welcome everyone to the newest edition of Pick and Pod, WFUV Sports' podcast for all things Knicks, Nets, and around the association. I'm Chris Persiain, and here on holiday break, it's a New Year's edition of Pick and Pod, January 1st, 2020. Three, the date today. I am virtually alongside Nick Fada and Owen Kelty, my guys here from the station as well. Before we get into things here, I'm going to start out talking about some local teams before we kind of spread our wings across the country here to talk about some uh, southern and western basketball teams. How have you guys' holidays been going? You know, everything good? We doing good? Nick, start with you. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm great. You know, the break is always a good time to do nothing, to do anything you want. Um, happy New Year to everyone out there. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, everything we celebrate. Um, and yeah, it's just a great time to kind of relax and get back into the groove of things as uh, the new year comes. Yeah, I've been sleeping a lot. Owen? Likewise. Yeah, no, lots of sleeping, spending time with some family and then friends I haven't seen in a while, but it's been good. Nice to see high school friends, middle school friends, elementary, everything's of the <laughs> sort, you know. It's good to be it's good to be back where you grew up or even if you you know moved, whatever. It's nice to be somewhere that's not. I love New York City. I love going to school in New York City. I love living in New York City as a result of going to school in New York City. But when you do all of those things in New York City, it's nice to have like two weeks where you're just like not in a city exactly. at all. Uh, you have to drive places and you you like have built in time in your commutes to like think about things you know you're not just always in a rush which is how i feel in the bronx uh, but you know what it doesn't matter where i am honestly because at the end of the day i'm probably just sitting on someone's couch somewhere watching the national basketball association so we should cut to the chase and just start talking about it anyway right you know it's, 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 it's enough of us right so <laughs> as one of the New York Knicks beat reporters, I will, you know, kind of start there um, with the New York Knicks as I'll be there for WFUV sports tomorrow, Monday, as the New York Knicks take on the Phoenix Suns. Uh, that's a big matchup for them. Always ties between Chris Paul and Leon Rose, the Knicks executive, you know, the, lots of rumors that the Knicks were going to go after Paul. It was actually rumored that Paul liked the idea of being a Nick, but not during the COVID season. He was like, if I'm going to do this, I want the fan experience of being a Nick. And so nothing ever materialized. So a lot, you know, lots of little connections between these Knicks and Suns team. Also, some potential rumors out there that, you know, the Suns may end up being a team that looks into Julius Randle rumors have come out on the other end of things. The Knicks have called about Jay Crowder. Um, you know, so pretty interesting to me. These teams are, it seem to be tied, but the New York Knicks in general have 
finally gotten a win in their last game against the Houston Rockets. And it was a resounding win. Of course, New York without number nine and number 11, RJ Barrett and Jalen Brunson, their two highest paid players, their two high, two of their three highest scoring players, probably their first and third most important offensive players as well. Just these guys are really crucial to the team. And it was because they were missing them, in my opinion, that New York followed up their eight game win streak with a little bit of the opposite not one loss just against Toronto where Pascal Siakam dropped 50 points, not just two losses against the Chicago bulls where they lost by one due to a DeMar DeRozan game winner with 0.4 seconds left on the clock, not just three losses because they lost on Christmas day to the Philadelphia 76ers due to a lack of ability to score against his own defense, not just Four losses because they lost by five points to the Dallas Mavericks in overtime in a game where they led by nine points when there were 33 seconds left. And Luka Doncic dropped 60 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists on their heads. But five straight losses because they came out flat against the lowly San Antonio Spurs. They had the clear best player out of the two teams in number 30, Julius Randle. They had the clear second best player in the matchup out of the two teams in number five, Emmanuel Quickly, because Devin Vassell was out for the San Antonio Spurs. But the Knicks were outshot, out rebounded, out hustled, and flat out outplayed by the San Antonio Spurs, leading to their fifth straight loss to follow up an eight-game winning streak. They finally broke that mirage, that barrage of maladies with a 20-point win against the Houston Rockets yesterday, where Julius Randle featured for them with 35 points, 12 rebounds, and six assists. Emmanuel quickly, 27 points, five rebounds, and seven Assist for the young guard out of Kentucky junior in the NBA. Now, Nick, I'm going to start with you here. This Knicks team was built by Las Vegas was built by analysts like ourselves before the season as a team that was probably going to be around 500. Uh, Las Vegas had them at 39 and a half wins. I had them at 41, 42 wins. Uh, a lot of people, you know, online in the, the blogosphere had them at about 40, 41, 39 wins. They were on pace for 46 wins after that winning streak. Now, after the losing streak, they were on pace to be exactly 500. Is this who they are? Is this who the Knicks are? A team of ups and downs? Is this just what they are? Yeah, you know, I'd want to say there's more to this Knicks team, but it's, it's just so hard to get a real grasp on who they are because they play phenomenal basketball like they did in that eight game winning streak. And then you detailed every shortcoming and downfall of that disgusting losing streak they went on too. So you don't necessarily know, again, it's not early in the season. They've, they've kind of found their way in terms of who's going to do what for them for success. Uh, but it's also very clear when they fail, they don't play great defense and they don't shoot the ball. Well, last night they held the Rockets to 88 points, 14 points in the second quarter, 18 in the fourth. That's good defense. 108 points in the NBA today, nothing crazy, but it'll get the job done if you play really good defense. And that's what the Knicks have tried to build themselves or themselves around. You know, it's really hard to say, I guess, to answer your question, whether or not they are a team of runs or a team that, you know, can find their groove, or maybe they just aren't that great of a team and they're going to hover around 500. To me, I think this kind of up and down is going to be the story of their season. Uh, You know, you usually would think you can find that sort of rhythm to stick with, you know, you don't have to go on a winning streak every five games, but to be, I don't know, maybe three and two in your five games, maybe two and three here or there, but 
to kind of be this rocky back and forth, not really finding a true rhythm for a stretch of games, uh, you know, outside of that win streak. I don't know. I, I think they probably are going to stick with this sort of lose four, win five, lose six, win four, back and forth, where it's just like, come on, give, give us something where can we say, all right, are the Knicks legit or are they really just kind of going to choke and, and lay down an egg against a team like the Spurs? That loss is unacceptable. But when they come out and play the Rockets, this is exactly what's supposed to happen. They're supposed to blow them out, even without their number one and, and three guys in terms of offensive production. So I, I would like to say there is more to them, but so far they haven't really shown me that there is anything besides a sort of roller coaster ride that they go on. Totally fair. Owen, I'm going to turn it to you here and ask a related question, but you know, it's, it's one that's a little more pointed. Uh, this Knicks team seems headed at least towards a play in birth, not playoff. I'm not saying top six, but play in a play in birth seems, you know, in their destiny uh, to be a top 10 team, at least. What's your level of confidence in this Knicks team in a play in, you know, potentially against a team like a Chicago against a team, maybe like a Washington, if they pull things together and they don't, you know, sell off uh, Kyle Kuzma. Uh, what, what do you think of the chances this Knicks team has, let's say over under 0.5 is the line for playoff series one by this Knicks team. They're a 500 basketball team. You know, they were, they were, we're getting to the point of this, and you guys can disagree with me if you want right now before we even get into this. But I think we're getting, or at least are kind of at the point in the season where your record is kind of what you are. Uh, we're about 36 games in. I think we're about at that point where your record is what you are. The Knicks are a 500 basketball club. Now that's okay. That's what they were expected to be. So we'll set the line at 0.5. 0.5 playoff series wins for the New York Knickerbockers. That would mean they would have to, if they were in the play-in, make it to the first round and win that series. A play-in series win does not count. Playoff series wins, 0.5. Are you taking the over or are you taking the under? And why, Owen? I'm taking the under. I could definitely see them winning a play-in game, but once they get to those better top-tier teams, especially with their inconsistencies, I, I can't see them winning, taking four games from one of those top teams in the East. Um, yeah, even like throughout the games. Done, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, any team they can't beat. Like it, they could maybe like take one or two games, but winning a series, I don't see it happening. That's a fair one. I, I think it totally depends on the matchup. Um, if a team like Brooklyn doesn't make any major adjustments, you know, before the deadline, they don't get a big wing who can defend multiple positions. They kind of just leave Claxton and Ben Simmons as their cast there for defensive minded players. I'm not sure. I love Brooklyn's chances. If the Knicks make a move at the de you know, like it would be very situational, very matchup based. If the Knicks went out and got an Eric Gordon or some, you know, potentially short-sighted, but definitely a win now upgrade move and the Nets don't. Okay. But I feel like that's too many hypotheticals for me to flat out say, Oh, I like the Knicks over. The I don't like the Knicks to beat the Nets in a play in or playoff series. I just think that's, you know, because of, the Knicks have what they have in the paint, what they have going in the paint, their rebounding, their paint defense. Uh, and you look at the percentage from three of teams that play the Knicks, and it's bottom five in the league uh, for a little bit now. So 
I think the Knicks do a good job of even against good offenses, you know, making them play the Knicks way. The thing is the Brooklyn has too much top end talent. And I think when you look at a team like Brooklyn against a team like New York in, in the regular season, give me the deeper team, give me New York team with a great bench, the team with three 20 point per game guys, but uh, Brooklyn in the playoffs, you go with dudes, right? You bet on guys and uh, that that's what Brooklyn has more of than New York. So I, I'd go with them, but to pivot over to Brooklyn, just downtown in Madison square garden, I think it's a good way to transition into a discussion about our next team here. The Brooklyn Nets have someone in Kevin Durant who, and you know, we talked about this before here on pick and pod, but Kevin Durant is really playing at an MVP level, you know, regardless of whether he's your MVP or not. Uh, you could argue that this is his best season in his career. Now, I would say this is his best season in his career thus far. I would also say he's not the MVP of the NBA this year, but we'll talk about MVPs later. What do you guys think about that to start? Is this the best season KD has played? The Nets have won six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They've won a lot of games in a row. I'm, I'm not sure if uh, I missed a one, but I, I, I am pretty sure that they have won 11 straight. And I think that's the correct count. So <laughs> 11 straight wins for Brooklyn. Uh, it's at least 10, but I think I'm pretty sure it's 11 KD averaging to me. What's most impressive is his field goal percentage. If you, yeah. if you look at the, the NBA, you look at the top 25, 30 guys in field goal percentage. It's a lot of you guys can guess guys whose responsibility is to shoot close shots guys whose shot diet is pretty much limited to dunks and layups things where they're taking two hands and shoving the ball in the basket guys will shoot 70 percent at most 78 i think claxton shoots like 75 um but you know forwards and centers will that are have a shot diet around the paint will, will have the best field goal percentages kevin durant has like the 20 or 25th somewhere around their best field goal percentage in the league he's the only player on that entire list that's not a rim runner. So uh, it's just nuts. You know how many shots he takes or jump shots. And we know what he does for an offense. Kyrie Irving back playing really well for this Nets team. They're the second seed in the East at 24 and 12. Is this the best season of KD's career? And, and how far can he take the Brooklyn Nets, Nick? Yeah. I mean, the Nets are very, very good right now. That's no secret. They started out the season one and five and now they're at 24 and 12 um, for KD's personal sake. I wouldn't say it's his best season. I think you have to go with that MVP year where it just seemed like he was the best player in basketball outside of LeBron James, I guess, kind of every year. But, uh, you know, what he's doing with this team that that kind of had so many question marks around it. And I remember the last episode that uh, I was on with you, Chris, was we were questioning what the heck the Nets could do. And that was right before this win streak started. Uh, so, you know, they they have it. I also want to give some credit to Kyrie Irving, who's kind of, hunkered down and, and and taking a really big role on this team too because oftentimes when KD has a big night Kyrie has just as big of one uh, and they've won some really close games because these guys are dropping 70 points between the two of them so it's it's a really interesting outlook on this Nets team because you have the story will always be KD Kyrie KD Kyrie it it Never feels like away from that. it feels like someone whether it was Durant someone within the Nets organization they were finally able to find someone who has Irving's trust, whatever the heck it was, it seems as if someone got through to Kyrie Irving and said, you can make a lot of this press go away, 
And we know you hate the press, but you can make a lot of it go away if you just win games and settle the heck down and just do what you can to help your team win ball games. You're really good at basketball. You don't seem to be too good, even if you're just trying to spread positive messages, which is really not what was going on. If that's the only intention, he's not very good at spreading those messages in a way that promotes peace and positivity. So someone seems to have gotten through to him and was like, hey, maybe take some time to rethink how you're doing that and keep being you, keep being yourself and spreading the messages you want to spread. But maybe take some time off and just really look into how you want to go about that and and focus on basketball just for right now, not, you know, shut up and dribble just for right now focus on basketball and regroup, you know, with yourself. And and he seems to have just put everything together. He's playing at a really really high level. He's playing at a really, really high level. And the Nets need this from him. They really do um, because they're a team built on production from their stars. They don't have the rebounding or the defense to survive uh, an off game from their stars, but their stars aren't having off games. They're not. They're on point. Durant and Irving both. Yeah, I mean, I kind of look at Kyrie specifically here where he was kind of the missing link-ish for the past year and a half or so with all the drama that was around him. When he just gets to play his game, he's he's one of the most gifted talents the NBA has ever seen right next to Kevin Durant. So it's a really interesting thing when these guys just click because – what they do is they just win games. They score points, they win games. Uh, it's a very simple uh, equation for the Nets to kind of put out there and to solve when they want to win games. Can they take it to the playoffs? I think so. Uh, you know, with that talent and how they both have been playing, MVP level KD and, and Kyrie really just doing what he needs to be doing out there, I, I think they've got it. The outlooks for them are the Knicks. I still think the Nets are, are with the just pure star talent they have in my opinion, are always championship or bust, um, where the Knicks are kind of just still building that culture a bit and seeing what they can do with what they have. I think the Nets have to do it. You know, they have to be one of those top three, four teams that you throw in the conversation to say they'll make it out of the East. The team uh, was not, assembled. The team was assembled. Exactly. To, to so win the championship or at least make the finals if they don't. I, I want to say for these guys, it's it's possible to get there. It maybe not probable because there's a few other teams in the East that are more proven than them uh, long-term, especially in the playoffs. But I, I like the odds for, for the Nets to kind of go all the way this year and make a, ch- and make a push. I think they're the best constructed and especially chemistry wise, you can kind of see it with the way these guys plays. You don't, you don't go on a 10, 11 game win streak by coincidence. Uh, so these guys are playing really, really good basketball through this kind of a little more than a third of the way through the season, almost halfway actually. So it, it's kind of sticking with, the, the culture and, and how they're producing out there. So I think the Nets, I guess, to compare them with the Knicks, they're in much better shape, but their trajectories are also much different. And the Nets are certainly kind of fulfilling that. Finally, <laughs> we can say that with a bit of confidence here now. Especially since, like, uh, when you look at last year in the playoffs, it was just KD and Kyrie. They didn't really have anyone else to help them out. And then, like, while the whole KD trade drama was going on this offseason, they kind of put together, like, a – like quietly a pretty good roster with uh, TJ Warren, Royce O'Neal. Great. They just started, like building up their moves. depth. Utah Watanabe, TJ Warren, Royce O'Neal, and Edmund Sumner. 
<laughs> I think was about 20 total million of cap room this year. And it cost them one first round pick that I know for sure for Royce O'Neal. But that's a pretty, pretty darn good return for about 50, 16, 18, 20 million in cap. I think those guys deserve a lot of credit for kind of being the glue there in Brooklyn. Um, now, here's my thing. We got to have standards, right? So if the Nets really do have two stud superstar players and we agree they have a genuine good supporting cast, we're not going to do the no help argument this year that Irving and Durant themselves kind of both employ. Uh, oh, you know, people think we're going to win because of me, not because the other guys are Irving a couple years back saying, well, you know, flat out, we need better role players. No disrespect to the other guys out there, but they're not good. Um, so I'm setting the line for you. Oh, and a three and a half playoff series one. They don't have to win the finals, but they've got to make it. They've got to make it. They can lose to a team like a Boston. They can lose to a team like a Milwaukee. If they go down to a top six, seven player in the league in, in Tatum, top five player in the league in Tatum, perhaps they go down to a top two, three, perhaps top one player in the league in Giannis. That's okay. That's all right. But they've got to get to, I mean, if you know that, that that's, this is, it's not the, it's not the worst, right? But let's say they've got to, they've got to show us something this year. Are you betting on the nets to, to win that Eastern conference finals and go to the NBA finals? Are you thinking they lose the Eastern conference finals to one of those top Eastern teams? How about this? You you set the line, and that'll tell us a lot about what you think. Are you setting it at two and a half or three and a half series one for them? Oh, I'm setting it at two and a half. I think I think they make the Eastern Conference Finals this year, but I don't know if they're going to be able to have what it takes to beat a team like the Bucks or Celtics. Both those teams have much more depth than them, and just overall, we've seen Giannis and Tatum and Brown last year step up. They like Tatum and Brown swept them last year. And the Bucks, if they have a healthy Middleton, I think are the team to be in the East. That's yeah. I mean, you kind of basically said exactly what I was thinking in terms of how the East works. Uh, what I'm really interested in, I guess, would to see how those matchups work out because realistically, it's probably going to be Milwaukee and Boston as the one and two, um, whichever way that works. So they wouldn't run into each other until the Eastern Conference Finals, which means the Nets would see one of them before getting there if they do. Uh, so that's why I think you're right. I think it has to be two and a half because the Nets could be the third best team. You could even argue they might be the fourth, depending on where you want to put Philly when all their pieces are ready to go, uh, which I also think is an interesting discussion. But yeah, I, I think, you know, as, as much as we talk about how the Nets have improved their depth and yes, they have the star power, all the other top teams in the league kind of have that same star power, but just with more behind it. Uh, and that's what championship teams are. They're not, they're, they're never one player. Well, maybe we'll see with <laughs> what Luca can do this year, but uh, usually you have to have those stars and the, the right support behind them. Brooklyn's got good support, but not necessarily Boston or Milwaukee support. So I think two and a half really makes sense to see, to say they're going to get to the finals could be just a bit of a stretch. Yeah, it, it's tough. You know, I I don't think it's easy because, Irving and Durant are typically not two-way players. Durant actually playing decent defense this year. So with that in mind, 
if you've got a two-way player in Duran, I don't think you've got an elite two-way player, but he's a two-way player. Irving really never a defensive stalwart, but that's okay. We know what he brings on the offensive end and that makes it all worth it. Really? Um, I, I think you look at the teams like Boston, Milwaukee, and, and what do they have? Well, they have guys in holiday and Brown and Middleton and Lopez that are good on and smart and, and Derek white that are, that are good on both ends of the court. So I think those guys are better built for the playoffs. Uh, I, I'd agree with you there. Set the line at two and a half. We're talking a lot about contenders, talking a lot about MVP level play from Kevin Durant. Well, 51 points, six rebounds, nine assists, four steals against the San Antonio Spurs. 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists against the New York Knicks. 50 points, eight rebounds, 10 assists against the Houston Rockets. These are just three games that Luka Doncic has had since December 23rd, <laughs> since December 23rd. I'm not talking about, oh, these are the three most nuts games he's had this season. That was not, those are the three most nuts games he had in December. That was the three most nuts games he had from December 23rd to December 31st. That man is a sick man. He is a psychopath for what he does out there on the court. He is a uh, ludicrous and talk about a one man star show going into the playoffs. Well, yeah, you know, the Dallas Mavericks are winning a lot of basketball games recently and it's because Luka Doncic has gone superhero mode um, and he keeps his, you know, general aloofness throughout it all. He's just funny in his interviews. Uh, I, I had the privilege of, you know, being at a Doncic presser after the, the Mavericks game against New York. And his, his biggest point was to tell Adam Silver that he needs more uh, day games because then he can go home earlier and be free for the rest of the day. Like he's just so like, <laughs> he's so casual about what he does. Um, what? Oh, and I'll start with you this time. What? how do you trust this Dallas team going into the playoffs? And is, is, is Luka Doncic the best player in the NBA right now? Uh, I think Luka's the best player in the NBA right now. And even if you watch him during the games, after he hit that, the game time shot versus the Knicks, it's like a little kid out there, the way he was jumping around. And I, I think that's what makes him so enjoyable to watch is how like casual he is. Like he's kind of just like a fun guy, just kind of go out there and do his thing. But Mavericks, like, it's taken 60-point triple-doubles from him to beat teams by three. Last night against the Spurs, he 50 points. They won by one. Uh, Mavericks are going to have to get him a lot of help, I think, if they want to make a deep run in the playoffs. Um, like Spencer Dinwiddie, Christian Wood are good 3-4 help, but I think they need a solid number two. It's a really interesting thing that the Mavericks put out there. It kind of reminds me of, like, the Russell Westbrook teams from – 2016 to 18 in between Kevin Durant and Paul George, where it was Russ playing at his peak with not a lot of help around him, except for Luca it's he's playing way better than Russ did. And he has a bit more help. Uh, I, I think just in terms of how the game has changed a bit, where it's just a guy like Luca only needs shooters around him, I guess, to kind of make him that much better. Um, 
it's scary to think what he could do because, you know, he took that Dallas team that was nowhere near championship built team to the Western conference finals and lost to the eventual champions in the golden state warriors where, and it was a series. It was definitely a series. And I think, you know, there's definitely a chance that he can kind of do that. I mean, you look at his last five games, he's got two fifty pieces, a 60 point, 20 rebound, 10 assists, triple double, uh, and two other games with 30 plus, you know, it's, he goes out and does whatever he wants on the court with whoever's really matched up on him. It's he's easily, I mean, you can't say easily with how much talent there is in the league, but I don't think if you don't have him at least top two, you're crazy. Uh, but he's my number one for sure right now, based on just not only his individual performance, but again, the team, he plays on the worst team out of any of the guys you want to throw in that number one player conversation, Tatum, Giannis, uh, I don't know. That's kind of it for me at the moment. I would say it's between those three. Uh, and I think Luca takes the cake because of what he does with what is built around him. Uh, I think it's sustainable. He's kind of showing it is. It's just the question of will his guys be able to give that support that's actually needed. You know, Luca can't score 100 points a night. Well, <laughs> who knows? But, you know, he, he, he scored. He was responsible for over 50% of the offense in the game where he beat the Knicks basically single-handedly. Uh, and he's responsible for 50% of the offense almost every night between his scoring and passing. Uh, so I think he's got it for sure to be able to at least take them again to that Western Conference Finals area because the West is an interesting conference this year. There's no clear front runner, uh, which is why I think Dallas could be poised to make that sort of run that some team is going to have to make and, and, and make it out of the West. So I think Luka could do it. I think what the Mavs have is something that is, is modernly built for success and especially when you have arguably the greatest player that has been seen in the league in, in a while already at this age 23 years old doing what he's doing I think there's a real chance that he could go all the way with them I'm gonna make a counter argument to that I was uh, hoping you would because, because there's easy ways I could go against it too but I have when, to when you said if you don't have him top two you're crazy I was like all right then let's get crazy <laughs> Um, cause I, I, I want to call back to a player, you know, our lifetimes, you don't got to be an NBA historian to know about this guy. Okay. But let's play guess that NBA player. I, I never had him as a top, the number one player in the league, even during his historic, uh, runs he was on. Uh, I never had him as the number one guy in the league. Uh, he, he won an MVP. Um, he never won a title playing his style of basketball. He wasn't a two-way player. He was tough. He could defend in the post for sure, but on the perimeter, he would get cooked. Sounds just like Luca. I know putting up a lot of high assist numbers, high points numbers at the same time, just absolutely dominating, controlling, and commanding his team's offense, which most of the time was being, you know, the artillery was full of subpar or average talents that weren't exactly incredible star stud uh, partners. Now, the Mavericks went all in on Porzingis. Uh, they went uh, probably the wrong player um, to go all in on that early in Luca's career before you knew for sure that uh, uh, Helio Luca would work. It was the wrong big man to bet on. Uh, this team bet on Dwight Howard for their young guy paid a large price to get Dwight Howard and the pairing didn't really work out. They moved off of Howard just as quickly as they got him. Same thing that Dallas did with Porzingis. And now, you know, this, this team, uh, they also, you know, let 
Chandler Parsons go. Uh, the Mavericks let Jalen Brunson go for nothing. This team let Chandler Parsons go for nothing and left their guy, James Harden, who I'm talking about this whole time with no number two anymore, just Dwight Howard, who they moved off of as quickly as they got him. James Harden, to me, is putting up historic numbers, but he wasn't a two-way player. He was never the best player in the league, even during his historic runs. He'd put up 50 points, 10 assists, 55 points, 8 assists, 40 points, 20 assists, 60 points, 10 assists, a triple-double, 60 points, this, that, and the third, and it didn't matter because he never won a Western Conference Finals. It's not that he never won an NBA Finals. He never went to the NBA Finals. And I think Luka Doncic, I haven't seen it yet that this Helio Luka works in a playoff setting. Don't kill me. We haven't seen it yet. And that's why, me personally, I have two guys that in the NBA, to me today, are better than Luka Doncic. One of them, a lot like Luka, all the, the stuff is on offense. The juice is on offense. But we've seen it work in a team setting, and we've seen it result in a unanimous MVP, the first ever. And we've seen it result in four championships. That is Wardell Stephen Curry. I think he is the number two player in the NBA today. Number one player in the NBA today. He's probably the fifth or sixth best offensive player, maybe the fourth best offensive player in the league. But he's so easily the best defensive player in the league. You look at Giannis Antetokounmpo, I, I think, you know, his championship proved what it needed to prove for him. And he's, he was young. He was only 25 at that time, still getting better. I think if you have Giannis and Steph ahead of Luka, that's totally fine. I think the argument isn't, is Luka number one? I think it's, is he number three over Jason Tatum, who's also yeah. shown on both ends of the court that he can lead a team to the NBA finals. Now, Luka could show this this year, but Dallas didn't do him any favors. They wanted to bring back Jalen Brunson, but only if they could trade him. So they didn't offer him the four-year $55 million extension that he would have taken. He ended up leaving them in free agency. They got nothing back. They traded a first-round pick and a lot of veteran salary for Christian Wood, who's been really good for them on the boards and in the scoring column. But is Christian Wood enough to move the needle in a playoff series? I'm not sure. So for Dallas's playoff hopes, me personally, I'm not super big on them. I think they can make the conference finals again. I think that's a run they can absolutely make. I would not bet on this team to win a playoff series over New Orleans. I think the Pelicans are a really well-built all-around team. They've got a sixth man in Alvarado, who is legit on both ends of the court. They have McCullum as their third best player. And McCullum is your first or second best guy. No bueno. Never, never going to work. He can't play defense. He's one-dimensional, right, because he's just an offensive player. Now, can he score and play make? Yes. So he's a two-dimensional offensive player, but that's about it. And he can't play defense. He's a small guard. But Zion is having his breakout season, not like that. He had 28 points a game in his second season in the NBA. That was his breakout season. But for me, as a real NBA star, he's having his breakout season. Why? Because you're seeing him do it with other top end talent on the team. And that really matters to me. Just like we were talking about in that Doncic discussion, guys, it really matters to me when you can put up the big numbers and play well with top end talent around you it means you're really really a top level player Williamson showing that this season the Pelicans rolling and Ingram again good on both ends of the court you know I love my defense guys so Ingram someone I really really like a lot um, he played really well for them in that first round series against Phoenix last year even though they didn't have Williamson now Williamson 
showing them. I think, you know, a lot of people, like I said, got mad at Williamson for missing uh, that, that last season. So I think that dunk at the end of the Phoenix game this year was him kind of telling the Pelicans fans, Hey, I wish I was here to help you beat the Suns, but I'll, I'll help you now, you know? And uh, they're really good. So, you know, I think the, the Pelicans are, and the Clippers are probably my two favorite teams to come out of the West right now. You see all the success in the East, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown with a good team around them, well-coached. Well, Teron Lewis might be the best coach in the NBA today. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, both top 10 players, in my opinion. And the Clippers have a lot of ammo. They can make a move before the deadline, move one of their surplus of wings and get a good backup center to help Zubac. Zubac doesn't need to have 30 and 20 games uh, like he did this season. They can actually have a backup center. Uh, I hope they don't go after someone like Andre Drummond. I think they would be better off going after a veteran center that's known for defense and rebounding. Uh, not offense and rebounding. Uh, but other than that, I really like the Clippers too. So for me, that's that on the Western Conference. I have one last roundtable question, and it's literally two-word answers from you guys. You can throw a sentence or two in to explain your take. Who, if the season ended today, is your guys' MVP? I'll start things off. The Boston Celtics started the year shooting 45% from three over a large stretch of games. I didn't think it was going to last. It hasn't lasted because they've been ice cold, but over the season thus far, the Celtics have, are playing really, really good basketball, and the guy at the top of the mountain is Jason Tatum doing it all for them on both ends of the court. Motto of the show for me is I love my defense, and Tatum has been an elite perimeter defender on the wing. He's using his size. Basketball gods don't smite me, but he's looking a little bit like a young Carmelo Anthony from his Denver days, using his size to bruise down low. I'm impressed by it because when you are so good on the perimeter, you can have guys like Julius Randle last season who run into the issue of falling in love with their jump shot and not pressuring the rim. Tatum always keeping defenses honest like Randle has been this season. Tatum probably doing it even better, pressuring the rim and killing it from the perimeter, sniping from beyond the arc and doing everything he needs to on the other end of the court. So if the season ended today, Jason Tatum is my MVP but for a season-long standpoint, I'm not sure if this will keep up because their shooting was just so hot. Nick, let's go to you. Oh, man. Uh, again, you can literally go in five or six different directions with this. Um, but I want to, you know, Tatum really could be and, and should be up there for sure. I think exactly. I love that Carmelo Anthony comparison because that's frankly exactly kind of how he's just doing everything he wants. Uh, if you look back to his rookie year compared to now, I guess, you know, from when he was 19 to 25, I want to say he is now, uh, it's from a boy to a man, really. And he's just showing that physically with his skill, defensively rebounding everything that you really want from your superstar generational talent player. Uh, that's what Tatum's doing. But, you know, I kind of have a little bias towards these guys who go and, and, put up monster numbers and do it with not much help around them and can kind of still carry teams. Like I was a big fan of that Russ MVP year. I was a fan of Harden's MVP year. I personally thought Kobe should have had a couple more MVPs based on what he did with some bad teams. That's fine. Uh, you know, so for that reason, I want to put Luca in there right now because he's averaging 33, nine and nine. 
numbers will probably go up at least you, three assists. You like taking most valuable player literally, and I can't fault you for that. Yeah, you know, that's my thing. I, I think because I, I love the argument where you can say take a player off a team and see what happens because if you do that with the Mavs, they're a, a bottom team in the West, no question. You do that with the Celtics, they're not a one seed, but they can probably still make the playoffs. Bucks probably in the same boat. You know, you could throw Jokic in the conversation for the same reason. You know, the, the Nuggets are a good team. They're not a phenomenal team, especially Jokic without. Jokic has been spectacular. That's the thing. So it's hard to discount him as well. Uh, the, these European basketball players have, have really just changed the game and how it works. It's it's an art form watching Jokic pass the ball, Luka pass the ball. And, and the way they score is just so unique whether it's a somewhat athletic play every once in a while you see Luca putting guys on a poster or just a fadeaway one-legged three or that shot he hit to force overtime against the Knicks you know those plays are MVP plays that your average guy's not making clearly uh I, I think that's all I really need to say I could go on and on about Luca I, I think it's ridiculous what he does uh he's my MVP right now I'm going to have to agree with Nick on that, too. I'm going to take Luca as my MVP. When you see a guy, like, put up a stat line that not even Wilt has done, that's when he's playing unbelievable this season. Um, he really doesn't have a lot of help over there, like, a couple of good role players, but he's doing things that we haven't really seen before, and I think he can keep it up for the whole season. And It, it kind of feels Tatum's like every, every, every good stat line you see, there's always an asterisk, and it's like, last done by Wilt Chamberlain in 1962 you know like <laughs> there's always some caveat but this time Luca like you said actually beat the guy to one yeah it's just it's unbelievable I mean he's putting up 50 points like multiple times a week just something we haven't seen he's special man we'll see if it translates to the playoffs we will continue to judge these NBA teams all season long talk about if they're contenders or pretenders keep you updated on the New York Knicks, the Brooklyn Nets, as they go on their respective journeys to playoff success. The Knicks, I think winning one series this season would be a success. The Nets, I think to be a success, have got to see a trip to the NBA finals, even if they don't come home with the trophy. Uh, I think the bare minimum has to be a trip to the finals for them at this point. They're so far into this constructed team of, you know, Durant, Irving, we got to see some success from them. Curry, Doncic, Antetokounmpo, all in the hunt as well. And maybe even LeBron James now as he's just turned 37, 30, 38, right? 38, he just LeBirthday. turned. Yep. <sighs> birthday. And I, it was his birthday, And he put up 30 points for, I think, the fifth straight game. So he's a madman. We'll continue to be madmen covering the NBA and keeping you updated on all things in the National Basketball Association here on Pick and Pod. For Owen Kelty, for Nick Feta, for our producer behind the boards, Riley Lucas, I'm Chris Percy and wishing you all happy holidays and a happy new year.